0: What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on a mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. In the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listeners and thought leaders to explore what needs to get done. With this special thing called blockchain timestamps, all content you consume will be transparent and accountable. Welcome to the new default on the internet. Thank you for being part of this journey and let's build the trusted web together. In this episode, I'm joined by Constanza's Cuba Caniglia. Constanza is a journalist and researcher on misinformation and the importance of data for effective public communications. She's affiliated with the Schoenstein Center at Harvard and is an editor at the Harvard Kennedy School Misinformation Review. She's the founder of the Institute for Digital Geopolitics, active in both Italy, Rome, and US, New York, which gives her a diverse overview of the state of misinformation. Today, she's subject matter expert, disinformation at the Wikimedia Foundation. Costanza, well, thanks for coming on the show, the Trusted By Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. That's really a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and you have, from the, the digital geopolitics uh, initiative you run in both Italy and the U.S., You have such a broad perspective. So to set a backdrop for this conversation, what's the state of uh, misinformation and fake news today?
1: Uh, That's uh, how much time do we have? Um, So (laughs) this is a a very, very big question. Um, What is the state? Uh, It's very different, I think, in the US and in Europe. There's a different understanding, which also depends on how freedom of information and freedom of speech are... um, Perceived in the US and in Europe, I think there is like a big, very, very big cultural difference there. Um, So even the legislation that it's being developed, it follows kind of two different paths. Um, I think the European Union, especially with the the new legislation and the framework that they just uh, presented in December, it's doing really, really good work. On the US side, the 230 uh, will need to be revised, and I we expect to see changes this year for sure. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Can you uh, unpack for the listener what the the Europe legislation is, what they're working on?
1: right. so the the EU Commission has um, uh, an action plan against disinformation, which they have developed uh, been developing for a couple of years, but now they just released the first uh, findings. Um, and what is, I think, particularly good about that plan is that it's not only developed in um, cooperation among the states, uh, but it's also developed in cooperation with the platforms and civil society and academia, which I think it's really fundamental to solve this information.
0: Would you expect Europe to uh, take a lead in building a more trustworthy internet and a safer internet?
1: I do actually. I think the European Union is staking really center stage. Um, and so yeah, I definitely think it could become a model.
0: Recently you uh became a subject matter expert at Wikimedia. Can you uh share on um how you will fill in that role?
1: Yes, so the Wikimedia Foundation is the hosting nonprofit of the of Wikipedia. Um, and so it's a really fascinating um, opportunity to see how information integrity works, especially on networks. So as, you know, as everybody know, Wikipedia, um, it's completely written by volunteers, everybody can be an editor, etc. cetera. And so it's really, really interesting to see how the complexity of the network, how the communities work together, to, um, uh, to vet information. And what I found very, very interesting is that um, in some ways, some of the, the methods that they use to vet information are very, very similar to those of journalists. So, and so that's one thing that is interesting to me to see this level of complexity. And another thing that is super interesting is in another research that I'm doing with the Lewis University and the HKS Misinformation Review, we started it last year. So we are tracking networks of information like QAnon, for example, and see how they work to develop disinformation and spread disinformation and so Wikipedia is kind of like the opposite side of the coin where the community works together to develop correct information and and track it so yeah I'm trying to see how they work.
0: So um, looking at mis and disinformation how will that evolve in the uh, coming years and based on your research what would be the direction for all parties involved?
1: What I was uh, mentioning before is, I think that the um, study of networks of information um, will be important in the future. Um, So that is one area that I think is developing and I personally would like to focus on. Um, Another thing is, um, so we study cycles of misinformation. um, So, or I'd rather would say uh, manipulation cycles. Media manipulation cycles. So, the way we study this is like how it starts and how it gets developed on social media, and then how it gets picked up by media, etc. And there is a, a fantastic group at uh, the Shorenstein Center that is working on this. I'm not part of that group, but very much appreciate their work. And um, I'm trying to work with uh, journalists in Europe, especially to develop kind of a two-way study between academia and journalism.
0: What are the two or three most surprising outcomes of uh, the work you've done on the topic so far?
1: Surprising, surprising. huh? Um, well, so what, what I will say is this. Um, in terms of propaganda, in terms of like the way um, this type of information, um, the techniques, it's not really surprising because it's actually very kind of classic coming from classic strategies. What is surprising, I think it's how it develops across countries to me. For example, in uh, we're studying the QAnon um, network in, in Italy, and it's really interesting to me to see how this uh, theory starts in the US somehow, and then it kind of finds um, explanations that are very, very local. So for example, there was a conspiracy theory about the center-left party in Italy um, in a small village, and they found a way to connect that with the, with the higher uh, part. So in a way, it's kind of almost a religious network in the sense that you know they always refer to something higher
0: how how do you do that kind of research is collaboration needed with the with the platforms or can you do it from the outside
1: oh yeah that is that is a very good question we do it from the outside uh but of course it would be helpful to have collaboration from the platforms uh which sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't happen Um, I think this is one of the most important parts of the development of this field right now. The platforms should definitely give more access to their data.
0: Are they willing to do so? And are they uh, concerned about uh, fighting disinformation? From your perspective, what did you learn uh, while asking them to open up?
1: Yeah, so um, I think... They, especially in the US, they realized in the last year that they, are, they have a lot to lose by not opening up. Um, but at the same time, um, sometimes they say they will open up, uh, they launch programs, but then if you really go look how much access they gave, they only gave access to either sympathetic or a very small subset of researchers um, not to everybody. Um, so it's a very complicated kind of corporate versus um, academic research uh, power struggle.
0: And is that in the new legislation uh, which the European Commission published, is is this an important part of, of that plan?
1: Yes, so it is. The problem with that is that the the part that has been weakest um, has been how much the, the platforms have been involved because for now it's a volunteer um, commitment to transparency and so it really varies some platforms have been more transparent and some platforms have been much less so yeah hopefully it will change
0: and there recently, uh, for example, Facebook was a lot in the news um, with the specific deals they made with publishers in specific countries. Um, is this something that will happen on a global level, on a European level, or even maybe on a, a country level, you expect? Uh,
1: this is very difficult to say right now because the legislation is really changing. Um, the platforms are changing, so I don't want to give a... Um you know prediction on this, hopefully it should happen uh at all levels, really, because again, I don't think that this is an issue that can be solved by the, definitely not by the platforms themselves, um, but more in general, it needs to be solved in a you know co- cooperative environment
0: from Everything you have seen over the last years, and uh, the European perspective and the US perspective, and and in your research, are is there a hope? What would the internet look like in twenty uh, thirty?
1: Yeah, I I think there is a hope. I think that um, the companies, the states, people are understanding the problem better, and are taking actions. Um, So I think, you know, I I see it a little bit as um, if you look at history, every time there is a new technical development, there is always a moment of confusion uh, where there are different types of priorities fighting. Um, And so this is a little bit of the case here, right? Like we are seeing a very, we are in a very young era of this new technological developments. And so... We need to, we are following a a period of very fast, unregulated expansion of these companies and these technologies. Um, And we are now in the moment where we say, okay, let's regroup. Let's think about it. What fundamental rights are being threatened and how can we organize this in a better way?
0: Not to get into uh, a technical conversation, but one of the things we work on with the trusted web foundation is bringing transparency and accountability to content. Um, is for example, blockchain technology, is that something, uh, that is being discussed and that makes sense for, uh, bringing transparency and accountability in an open source way to information, or is that some bridges too far?
1: So this, I would like to understand better actually how it works because on one side, I think it's very, very important to maintain anonymity um, in in many cases for many users. Um, there have been multiple studies. Uh, you know, sometimes one of the solutions that people try to find is to de anonymize users. Um, so this can be very uh, problematic for minorities, for women, um, for you know, political minorities also. Um, so that is something that, uh, needs to be taken with, with a lot of attention. And another problem is, uh, multiple research, um, over and over tell us that actually most of this information is spread by, um, check users, by users that have been, um, you know, controlled that we know who they are. Right. So sometimes Um, this can be uh, a solution that is not really effective in that way. Um, I think definitely the timing of the information, that is really, really important. So to be able to time when a certain piece of information has been inserted um, and to track it down that way, I think that is a very important component should be but I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on blockchain so I don't know I see it this two components but I'm not sure that's actually the case.
0: Lastly on governments are they educated enough of course you said you're happy with the steps the European uh, Europe is making are policymakers educated enough to um, implement for example the insights from your research? Uh,
1: some are some less. Um, we are not anymore at the stage where the you know when we had Congress hearing a couple of years ago in the U.S. and they were asking how what what Facebook business model was. I think right now they they have that sense. Um, you know it depends. There are some people who have a better understanding, and there are some people who don't have i think as a whole we are making progress uh but there's still a lot to go
0: and 2030 are we is everything is there an internet without disinformation in 2030
1: oh no oh, of course not of course not i mean false information has always been there um and also you know i as you know i have a, a background in philosophy so if we have to discuss what truth is we are we can't be here For the whole day. Um, So false information will always be there. What is important is to have reliable information that is easily accessible for people, um, to have um, a sense of the sources, uh, what sources of the information are, um, some accountability and responsibility uh, of the content providers, and this can be done in many different ways some are good some are bad so we're not going to go into detail Um, but in general i think we'll have a better environment uh, people more trained and more able to check information but no of course we're not going to eliminate it completely
0: it's uh, interesting to see where we will be at the end of this decade uh thanks you thanks so much for sharing your insights where can people find the uh, important work you do and uh, follow you
1: so they can follow me on Twitter at uh, Costanza Shuba. My handle is to the rest. That's a, a long story, but they can find me. Um, and yeah, I think that's the
0: easiest way.
1: <laughs> Let's build the trusted web together. Yes.
0: Yay. Uh, thanks so much.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: That was Costanza's Cuba Caniglia sharing her insights from both the US as the European perspective she has. What a broad overview. I'd love to invite you to go to the slash podcast where you will find the show notes of this episode. Also, you'll find the report on the state of misinformation we did. We surveyed thousands of participants across the globe to better understand the impact that misinformation has on their lives, how they view those problems. There are incredible findings there in the report that surprise all of us over here and will probably surprise you too. And furthermore, you'll find the other episodes, education and use cases, all for building a Trusted Web. It's all available there on the website, of course, for free, thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Thanks again for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.